This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Om Sadam to our listeners. Welcome to Saturday News number 875. So today we'll be hearing part one from Prem on the topic of role of women in the society. Let's get straight into it. Offering my most loving pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet. I pray to Swami that he gives us all the understanding that he alone is the one who speaks. He alone is the one who listens. Elders, sisters and brothers, Sairam to all of you. This is the month of June and for the past three years it's been a tradition in the Satisa institutions to have a summer course for the students in Indian culture and spirituality. The summer course was a tradition which started way back in 1972 or 71. Those days the students used to come from all across the country. And Swami insisted that the summer course should be on Indian culture and spirituality. Why is that importance to culture and what makes culture that significant? Culture has two sides to it. A culture should be able to hold the society together, should be able to lead the society to progress as a unit and at the same time it should also account for individual progress. A culture to be stable and to be everlasting, it has to do both these things. And that is why the culture invariably of any society has two aspects, that is one is religion. The word religion is completely misunderstood these days, but the Sanskrit word for the, for the English word religion is dharma. right? And dharma comes from the root word which means that which brings order. So religion is that which brings order to any community, to any society, to any nation, to any group of individuals. And the other aspect of culture is spirituality. That it should lead to an individual's progress. And any culture which fails in any one of these will with time wither away. The beauty of Sanatan Dharma is it is time and again found itself again, it has resurrected itself. Every time Sanatan Dharma was losing this balance and emphasizing too much on the society, emphasizing too much on the Dharma aspect, on the societal progress aspect, there would be something which will lattle it and it will come back to the balance where the individual progress too is accounted for. And that is how avatars come, That's, that is how Mahapurushas come. They come to rekindle and to rejuvenate the culture. Swami says a very perfect and beautiful index of any culture is the role, the status and the function of the women in that culture. He says by seeing these qualities of the women of that culture you can talk volumes about the value of that culture. Sometime back I was talking to one of our listeners of the radio a very young girl from uh, one of the cities, just graduated, she was just married. 
she's never seen swami she's a devotee who's come to know swami much later but she said something which was really surprising she said brother i don't go for work because swami does not like women working i was surprised but this this girl's this decision came from utter sincerity because she really thought that this is what swami wants she said in spite of all the pressures at home in spite of all the peer pressure she said i will not go out and work because swami does not like women to go out and work it's an interesting debate isn't it what does swami want women to do work not work be homemakers or go after a career it's a very interesting debate because it is when we look at it deeply anything looked at deeply will finally and eventually lead to a spiritual solution because when you look at science science is always about binaries it is it is not true false this or that that's always about science you, the whole world of computers is based on binary right one or zero switch off switch on but the beauty of spirituality is and the beauty of anything that comes to do with discrimination in human mind is there is no black and white there is no good and bad suppose i give you a statement is it okay for a individual to cut another man with a knife answer is no it's wrong now if i add one more clause i say that man is a doctor he is a surgeon and then then you will tell yes that's correct and now if i add one more clause saying that he is not a good surgeon but he performs surgeries just because he wants to make money even if the patient does not need the surgery then you will say no no it's bad so the same good and bad keeps modifying itself based on the situation as swami would say the desha kala paristhiti the situation in which it happens the time in which it happens and the people involved and that is why a question such as this what is the role that women should play in society according to swami could be a very very invigorating spiritual inquiry we often think that this culture of women being homemakers is a typical indian culture the west was always talking about women going out and working but in historical study reveals otherwise because even in western cultures in all cultures across the world this was this pattern which was which was a working model since the 19th century or the even the early 20th century where the man was the breadwinner the woman was the homemaker how did this change lot of people attributed to the world wars the world war 1 and world war 2 when all the men were busy fighting so somebody had to do the work somebody had to man the industries or rather women the industries and that's how women started entering the workforce more than anything else they wanted somebody to make ammunitions otherwise the war would not go on right so that is how the women started entering the workforce they started populating the factories but the interesting thing is war is not a new thing in history right wars have always been there ever since man has formed countries man has formed societies tribes war has always been there then how can one war change the situation so much because every time there was a war this would happen and after the war the peace time it would revert back to the old status but how is it that this war changed it 
in the university of montreal in canada they did a study they wanted to see how did this change happen that women started becoming an important part of the society's workforce and very interestingly they said if one thing has to be pointed out of course there are factors are many but if one thing has to be given a significant importance in this change they said it is because the washing machine came home interesting right they said the washing machine came home because they found that till then women were spending a considerable time of the day doing laundry and suddenly this magic gadget comes which is doing what they took 4 5 hours in half an hour and they had 4 hours in a day free they didn't know what to do they had free time and those days there were no televisions so suddenly because of this entry of this gadget called the washing machine into the homes the women in the house had free time they had extra time to kill and that is how they started slowly entering into part time jobs in factories and manufacturing units but it did not stop with that with the washing machine after some time came the home refrigeration this was followed by the microwave oven so slowly more and more time started being created and to fill this time the women started looking out for careers and see the cycle which happens now to free more time you need more money to buy more amenities so now from filling the time which was free now you're freeing time by earning money so that you can earn more so it became a cycle there's nothing wrong in that but see the change in perspective that has happened today if i tell you that so and so is a successful woman she is a successful woman what is the picture that comes to your mind well i don't know about you but for me somebody like probably an indra noi or some ceo or some md of some company or someone who is an administrator isn't that right when i say a successful woman that's what come to our mind so what started off as a activity to fill time to kill time now we have made it a parameter of success now we have made it a scale by which we measure a woman's success and isn't this a mistake that we all have done we have changed the parameters in which by which we look at a woman we look at her contribution to society in spirituality honestly speaking there should not be any importance to anything that is related to the physical existence right when we talk about gender we are talking about the body and when we talk about spirituality we are talking about the spirit which is beyond gender which is beyond color physical attributes but if we want to study gender we have to talk about the physical body and when we are referring to the physical frame we have to talk about karma right it is only the karma which varies with the physical body your goal doesn't change the basic attributes that's required for a spiritual aspirant doesn't change but the way the approach to the goal is changed and that is karma now if you look at a home typically in a home in a family there are two types of karmas the one karma is instantly encashable karma 
One karma is that in which the time is converted into money or resources directly. You do work, you get paid for it. I work for a week, I get a weekly wage. I work for a month, I get a monthly paycheck. So there is one karma which can be directly converted into money or resource. But there is another karma which is a silent, which may not yield results, results may not be even seen for years together, but that karma has to be constantly done. The value of that karma will not be seen every day, probably not. But it is very, very valuable because it is silent karma which will yield results over a long period of time. These are two important karmas and traditionally, traditionally the families have accepted that the first short-sighted, impulsive and instantly encashable karma is taken up by the man. The slow, the far-sighted, that karma which requires immense patience and forbearance is taken up by the woman. Why this? Probably we'll come to that later, but this is an accepted norm. All societies accepted this. But the problem what has happened is it's not about women working, not working. As that girl said, when Swami, when you say that Swami does not want women to work, if you look at it, the first college that Swami started was for women. That could be an argument, right? Why did Swami start a college for women if He did not mean that women should work? But then Swami always talks about the glory of Indian womanhood. And whenever Swami talks about the glorious women of the past, none of them were women after careers. Then does that mean that Swami does not want women to work? This is where the difference lies because in the society what we have done is we are increasingly giving more value to that karma which can be instantly encashed. We are giving lesser value to that karma which has to be done silently, which has to be done with a lot of patience and forbearance without seeking results instantaneously. Because of our as a society disregard for that important karma, we are converting more and more of our actions into that karma which can be encashed. And we value karma only based on whether it, it can be converted into resource or not. And it is this change which is changing the balance in the home, in the society. In 1960s when Swami inaugurated the Anantapur campus, or rather when he first bought the land to build the college, this is way back in, I think, 19, uh, early 1960s. There's that interesting episode which one old devotee narrated, Ms. Rani Java, I think it was played in the mandir the other day, where when Swami went to East Africa, Swami asked Mr. Java from Bombay to take care of Mother Ishwarama. Mother Ishwarama was, was uh, lodged in Mr. Java's house. So this Mr. Java had about three or four daughters and all of them well educated, some of them studying in good schools. And for the first time, Mother Ishrama, who is from a very rural background, she sees young girls who are properly educated in good schools. She sees their culture, she sees their behavior. 
and she instantly makes up a mind that this is so important education for women is so important so she says when swami comes back i'm going to ask this boon and when swami returns from east africa she stops swami in the airport and says swami i want a college for women right in the airport but the beauty of swami is swami has already started the process he has already asked people to look out for a land in anantapur he says i want to build a college so about 100 acres of land was bought and on the day when the bhumi puja has to be done swami went to anantapur and we spoke to one of those people who were present on that day who was instrumental in buying the land and who was there during that bhumi puja a normal rusted foldable chair was brought swami was sitting on it and looking at the land and swami unraveled his sankalpa he went on to say the mother's womb is the brahma loka is the mother's womb is the brahma loka for every individual on this earth it is the field of compassion it is filled with compassion and when the child comes out of this most protected environment of compassion it is the mother who becomes the first teacher she takes over the child from that compassionate small world to this sudden openness that the child comes out to that transition is taken up by this mother who is the first teacher and swami said i am going to educate the mothers of the future he did not say i am going to educate the ceos of the future he did not say i am going to educate the women who are going to form the workforce of the future india he said i am going to educate the mothers of the future if you look at biologically the average life of a human being is about say 80 to 100 years 100 being the maximum 80 probably 80 90 how many years in that a woman spends in this period of childbirth as a mother in this period where she carries a child in the womb even if she has 10 children it's 10 years out of 80 isn't it but if you look at the human physiology the female body's physiology the biology the physiology the chemistry everything is tuned only for that 10 10% of life why so much of bias so much emphasis nature gives for that small role a woman plays isn't that a hint from nature that is about the physic physical nature of the human body but when nature prepares the human body for one particular physical activity it also accordingly prepares the mental background the the mindset which backs that physical activity and what does that do as swami says definitely women have more forbearance more patience more compassion more empathy many months back i had spoken about the mirror neuron system which increasingly people are saying that it is it is that aspect of the human brain which is the cause of empathy that is that mirror neuron system is what causes one to empathize with the other and it is being clinically proven that on an average women have a more pronounced mirror neuron system than men women are by nature made for more empathy and now isn't it very obvious that they fit into the role of doing that karma which is long drawn which is apparently resultless rewardless 
And that is why this division of karma was made. But what happens when this balance is lost? We all talk much about environmental crisis, we are speaking about how we are ruining our environment. Swami makes a very, very, very significant statement. I am sure none of us, including me, have even found a fraction of the meaning or the profundity of that statement. When Swami says, the proper study of mankind is man. The proper study of mankind is man. If you want to solve the solutions mankind is facing, you have to decode this individual. If you want to set right this individual, you have to see the pattern in mankind and see what is the cause, the relative cause in the individual. Let us say that there is a rainforest. You have the Amazon rainforest. And I think uh, even rudimentary knowledge of science will let us know how much a small rainforest, which is lesser than a country, size of a country, can contribute to global environment. It causes the clouds, it causes rains in, in continents across the globe. It sustains the ocean currents. And there are so many things. Everything is so interrelated. Now there are two ways a rainforest can serve man. What are the two ways? Rainforest, you have wood. Go chop the trees and make the money. That is one way the rainforest can serve us. And the other way is this environmental way, where it stays for 30 years, over a period of three decades, four decades, sometimes even ten decades, the tree serves the environment without being noticed. Today we notice it, but for years and years it has served. So isn't it similar to what we spoke about the family? There are two karmas that the forest performs. One is that instant karma, it is instantly encashable. You can cut trees, make money out of it. That was also meant to be, by the way. It is not that it is wrong. That was also meant to be. But when you give more importance to that value of the forest than the slow-drawn, far-sighted value, you disturb the balance. In the Ramayana, there is this beautiful statement where uh, Valmiki says, as long as the mountains stand, as long as the rivers flow, the story of Ramayana will last. And the standard interpretation of that, anybody, including Swami, would say that the, the mountains represent man and the rivers represent women. And the import of that shloka is, as long as men and women exist on earth, you will always have the Ramayana being spread all over, all around. Why is this reference to woman as a river? And there are many other places where this reference is made. All our rivers are named after women. We worship all our rivers as mother. Almost 10 years ago, or maybe even more, I think in 2002 or 2003, in the Department of Chemistry, when I was still studying, we had a international conference on environment, how to use sciences to stall the degradation of the environment and to improve the state of the ecosystem. So we had invited one very distinguished professor from the IIT. His name was, if my memory serves me right, Dr. Bhargava. And the distinction of this gentleman was that he was a water scientist. He studies rivers, he studies water treatment, how to improve drinking water portability. 
So this very distinguished scientist, the distinction that he had was, he as physically and personally tested the waters of every major river in the world. Every major river, as a scientist, he has studied it. That was the distinction he had. And he was giving us a lecture and he said, every river has a nature of reviving itself. Suppose you throw garbage into the river, there is a certain distance downstream where the river by then cleans itself. It is able to clean itself and after so many kilometers, the river is again pure. So he said, every river has that ability. And when he studied the rivers of the world, he said, that river which we consider the holiest among all the rivers we have, river Ganga, has scientifically the maximum ability to do that. You know, when our scriptures say Ganga can dissolve our sin, it is not only the physical, the philosophical sense, it can even clean the filth which we carry physically. He said, backed by science, I can tell you that Mother Ganga is a very, very special river. So he said, every river has this ability to rejuvenate itself. And it is a quality of nature that nature uses. Today we have much ado about how the ghats of Varanasi is being misused, bodies are being thrown into the river. This is not a practice which started hundred years ago. We pinpoint to that and say all crisis of the river Ganga is attributed to that. It is not true. In fact, the number of bodies that go into that river has drastically reduced. And to say, and these are not my words, these are all words of that gentleman who spoke to us. He said, we are being forced to take responsibility for that as a culture, which is wrong. The point I'm trying to make is, every river has the ability to put up with a certain amount of misuse. What you call, in other words, forbearance. It is when that forbearance is stretched beyond the limit, the river gives up. That's exactly what has happened to the river. That's exactly what's happened to the woman in the house. It is because we have forced, we have forced ourselves to say that karma that can bring me money home is the karma which is worth adoring. The women are forced to prove themselves by doing that karma instead of doing the karma which they were meant to do, isn't it? I may be wrong, it's just an observation that I'm making because to say that going out and working is wrong, doing this is wrong, to recall a change which has happened gradually will only lead to disaster. A perfect example of that is what Taliban has done, isn't it? You cannot force a change to retreat, but you have to see why the change has occurred and make amends in the attitude. And that is why Swami said, I am going to educate mothers. I am not educating women, I am not educating future CEOs and MDs, I am educating mothers. Because he was injecting values into the system. And there is no better way to do that than this. As I said, the statement which Swami makes, the proper study of mankind is man. So it is very important even in the realm of spirituality to go once in a while again back into history 
and see the pattern or the journey mankind has taken over history and see the pattern in the attitude see the change in the attitude some you would say vikriti you know the bad change sanskriti is a good change vikriti the the cunning change which has happened good dear listeners we'll catch up next week on the final part 2 saram to you thanks for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more